Welcome to Second Star to the Left, a podcast of everything fantastic, strange, and science fictional. I'm your host, Matt, with my co-hosts. I'm Bert. I'm Katie. And I'm Meredith. The Glove the Glove Witch. Oh my god. Oh wow. Uh really good at handies, huh? I'm I'm the Bruv Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Dub- I'm the bruv witch. I'm a I'm a bruv witch. <laughs> I'm a bruv. Mighty. Um, oh, you won't, mate. I'll turn you into a monkey whistle. I will. Oi, a, a chav nicked me me mobile, mate. <laughs> a chav nicked me ruins it. Tesco. <laughs> we're we're recording ahead of schedule, but this is coming out uh, during the week of October. Right now, we're recording in the middle of September, where uh, everything is on fucking fire. Literally. And so, if, New York's nice. Uh, uh, yeah, it's well, nice. Well, you'll here. get our smoke. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah, four twenty. Uh, fucking fuck the world and fuck every fucking rich person that is the fault of why things suck right mm-hmm. now. That's so, angry. I wish they get killed by. Up. I wish they get killed by some kind of sex, some kind of corny sex witch. So we're kicking off October with the Love Witch, as we mentioned last week. Uh, better red than dead Ooh. month, as we call it. Spooky. <laughs> because we support communism in all its forms. Um, trailer. Oh, trailer for the Love Witch. <laughs> After Jerry died, the cops wouldn't stop harassing me. They couldn't prove anything. They actually thought that I killed him. Anyways, San Francisco got to be a really bad trip after you left. That's when I remembered you had that extra apartment. Hey. Hi, I'm Trish. Hi, Trish. Well, what do men want? Just a pretty woman to love and to take care of them. Love me. Love me. What I'm really interested in is love. You might say I'm addicted to love. You want to take a girl up there now? (laughs) You want some? What is it? I met this great-looking guy, and I used love magic on him. Then he got really weird on me. All these emotions started flowing out of him. Then he got really sick. What is it, Wayne? What is it, baby? What a pussy. What a baby. Honestly, Wayne. you know what? The 2020 mood is better red and dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking just... Honestly, just better off dead. Just, yeah. Where's Pinochet? Just, I've never been in a helicopter. Red, that sounds red nice. and dead redemption, <laughs> too. Yeah. Uh, just a heads up, I also need to step away in like 20 minutes to baste my chicken, but it'll only take me like two minutes. Just one of those. Okay. Is that what you call it these days? I know it, was a, it was a sexy movie. <laughs> <laughs> I walked into that. I don't know why that comes to me. Was it spatchcocked? <laughs> That's, uh, that's that's like a part of like uh, it has cock in it, so <laughs> it says cock, so that's funny. I got in trouble. Batch also sounds. I got crazy. in trouble once in high school when I was when I was a junior for we were doing chemistry and we were introduced to the stopcock 
And I was and I was high in class and I couldn't stop laughing every and the teacher kept fucking saying stop cock and On, I it's like they're laughing. They're pushing and, your button at that point. And my point. teacher and the teacher was like, You're sexually harassing every girl in this classroom <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like red faced crying, like just please don't say stop cock. <laughs> Like, I'm a high schooler, come on! Yeah, like, come on, I'm a high schooler, I'm stoned! Like, what do you want from me? I'm 36 now, and I'd still laugh at I was saying, I'm 34, I'm laughing at it right now. Like, this isn't fair. Uh, Katie, I'm gonna allow you to introduce this film. This was your selection for Better Red Month. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us what brought you to The Love Witch. Um, I had seen stills of it... Uh, here and there, namely the dunking on the Pisces part, <laughs> which really resonated with me um, in a big way. Uh, anyway, I had seen parts of it, and I, I knew it was like visually uh, sort of supposed to be like an homage to like you know late sixties sex exploitation sort of films, um, and I'd never seen it, and I figured this was a good time to sort of explore it. I knew that it was something that was going to explore like sex and gender. So it seemed like maybe appropriate, but I didn't really know like, what all I was getting into when I suggested this. So I'm glad that we've all gone on this journey of, mm-hmm. uh, of love with the love witch. witch. <laughs> <laughs> going with that. Um, I say that I was the pub witch, but I realized like that's just POV. And then I just I have to oh, explain the, it. The, to that is a, that is a, genre, that is a genre of porn. Yeah. The pub, the pub witch. <laughs> it's just so matter of fact. That is a genre of porn. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but boy, boy howdy! In New York, where nobody has air conditioner, uh, a, a fancy kind of fan called a vornado has gotten real popular, and I have to bite my tongue when I go to normal people's houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So okay, before we get too into it, okay, Katie suggested. This she Ornado has to be like Sonic the Hedgehog fan art, right? Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, so you suggested this, you suggested Tammy and the T Rex. I'm pretty sure you suggested Annihilation, although I'd already seen it. Um, I'm trying to think of what else you've suggested on the show, but it, I'm uh, I don't remember. But my main point is, is so far like Batten, Batten a thousand because mm-hmm. yeah, like I didn't know what this was. Yeah, and uh, it was kind. Of, also, also like with Tammy and the T Rex and this, it was kind of like I don't think I ever would have watched this movie unless I was on this pod. Because mm-hmm. like just looking at it like face value, it's like oh that's not for Bert. It's fine though, <laughs> but Bert is not interested in campy sixties slash seventies hippie hate street occultish wackiness and also not giant robotic dinosaurs with paul walker's brain in them but how wrong bert is about that because those <laughs> are exactly what bert should be watching i mean the, the thing that those two things have in common uh, is nutting and yes hog so I, oh there's a lot of hog in this movie. Hog in this movie which i appreciated and i do want to chime in and say uh yeah i think i think katie has the best taste on the pod well, like, let's not do that. I have very bad taste. But I think you. Have, I, don't I know. think you have consistently had the best taste and worn the best outfits and had the coolest hair. So, wow, this is high praise, and I don't know how to deal with accepting compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so, <thank you. laughs> tell us how you uh, accept the compliment by telling us more about uh, the Love Witch. I mean, I was just kind of there uh, for it. I. 
I don't know what to say about it because you can't really dunk on it because everything in this movie was so intentional that it's hard to like get a hold on anything to really criticize. It's like, ah, but that was on purpose. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe. Um, (laughs) It is like overwhelmingly like white cis heteronormative but again like that seems like a very purposeful it has to be that's what hippies are like yes i mean yeah just go to new mexico and it's pretty obvious um yeah plus the two black characters in this movie are very much like treated as bit characters they respond to things as like it feels very like yeah we know why we did this and it's almost a joke it is a joke like the whole the coffee thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's very clearly like tongue-in-cheek so the, yeah this movie this movie feels like if garth Marenghi's dark place <laughs> were this movie just feels a lot like garth Marenghi's dark place but played more for but like but paying homage to a different thing but it's doing a very similar thing like the the whole conversation about the coffee was lifted straight from Garth Marenghi's <laughs> dark place with like the with like the kind of odd uh with like the kind of odd lip syncing that that's still to dialogue and it and it, it I know I know it was the case with Garth Marenghi's dark place and it must have been even more so the case here shooting this to look bad like things looked bad in the 60s must have been ghoulishly expensive <laughs> like it actually looks like I mean the, I, the sets I don't love look the way good, this looks but the 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 film yeah the, the, and the, I mean, the shots I mean, are really good yeah, the, and the film yeah. that they used and the filmic techniques that they yeah, used to yeah. do this if garth Murgy's dark place or any indication this was a nightmarishly expensive movie to film uh maybe not as much as you think i think it's more the fact that nobody shoots on like this quality film stock anymore they've, they've graduated to other things that are well digital the 35 millimeter it was what it was shot on and that is yeah. more expensive oh, than like okay. digital stuff for sure oh but i i think I mean, I was always sort of a discussion the other way, but sure, go ahead. Well, it's it's cheaper now because like it, right. you can just like reshoot forever and like never have to worry about like That's overall true. costs of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. We actually talked about this. The film to me is very surreal in a beautifully dated way. Like, I felt like I was watching. I, I grew up watching I Dream of Genie mm. and like like on reruns on like Nick at Night, and so like this for me felt very nostalgic for that. And like that was a a, a clear choice. In sort of like the behind the scenes stuff that Ann Biller talked about, she really was looking for this particular sense of style and feel from the '60s um, and that shooting style because she felt it gives it. I, I don't have the exact quote from her, um, but for more of a feminine style of viewing the film, right. there's more to look at that's like luxurious and like it's not so much a. Uh, you know, the washed out Christopher Nolan, I'm going to maybe knock Denny Villeneuve a little bit for the Dune stuff, you know, just like a, a bleak, unsaturated design. And this film was just so fucking rich. To, I, it was so good to watch. I think it ties a lot into the main character. Like that it, it's, you need to be committed to that person's like view of the world and their understanding and what they're going through and like you need like that really ties into that. Yeah, this is the this is the world the way that 31-year-old vaccine moms who name their kids various spellings exactly. of Kaylee see the world. <laughs> this is like the world as it exists inside of their heads. Yeah. 
And and to some extent, something I really liked is like I I, I mean I can relate to some of this silliness that's going on with the main character and I think a lot of I mean I'm sure most women can probably relate a lot stronger to it but mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm sure everybody in the world at some point has had like romantic ideals about their love life and their destiny and their soulmates and stuff like that yeah it, it there honestly there's so much going on in this but the other thing I wanted to say with this movie is um we've also I would say out of all the movies we've done this was the most straight up feminist movie, like at like textually feminist movie. Like we did do Alien, which in my view is like pretty close to just straight up feminist. That's like more like subtext. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But in this movie, like by the end, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's full on text. It's I think just it's like, fe- I think it's feminist in the sense that it addresses the ways in which a lot of hippie culture and a lot of like woo woo shit and a lot of like witchy stuff is in fact just like another form of reaction mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. anyone with more experience on this can can talk to me about this like as a trans person who participates in a lot of these scenes like one of the things i encounter is that there is a lot of reduction of women to reproductive capacity and ability to relate to men but we're not doing it we're not waving crosses in your face and we're letting you do drugs so it's like <laughs> yeah. so it's like revolutionary now mm-hmm. um and i felt as if i felt as if the movie was constantly making fun of the movie was presenting you with the sort of the the, the fraught situation that a woman finds herself in but it was also constantly ribbing um the the witchy types yeah um, right it's not only ripping the the witchy types. I think it was almost certainly ripping the, like you said, Meredith, the reduction of like traits of people to the polarity of male versus female, as though anything right. could ever be so simple. And like that definitely deserves some some fucking ribbing. Um, yeah, I saw this very clearly as like this movie for me was about the shift from the issues that second wave feminism faced to the issues that third wave feminism faced. Like, it's very clear, like, a lot of the witch stuff is like, uh, here's how you can use your sexuality to get what you want, which is a very, like, it's a, not, it's a non-nuanced version of things that could be found in second wave feminism, but the reason it shifted over into that was it, because it was, became, like, sexuality is good and, like, like, sexual liberty is good, but then, like, how much are you using that as a tool of the patriarchy itself mm-hmm. to subvert your identity? And how much are you finding your own identity outside of the patriarchy, which is like the end of this movie? Yeah. Which is, which is, I think the end of this movie is, is uh, because a reaction to that at the time uh, was political lesbianism, which is one of the worst things that ever happened. And it's as yeah. asinine as it sounds. Um, <laughs> And I think that the movie the movie takes a pretty grim view of like f- of like female solidarity in the form of like you know the 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 widow the widow who temporarily inhabits Elaine's identity only to realize you know what Elaine does and then lash out at her um, and the other 
women in the coven who are sort of like all kind of ritualistically like manipulating one another. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. I'm ra- I'm rambling at the, I'm rambling at no this no point. no. I would have I would have felt like I wasted money on my women's studies minor if I didn't shut <laughs> in. <laughs> no no no. It was the end of this movie though that like because honestly the first two acts I was like this is cool and it's kind of funny in a really wry interesting way and it's also got all these great sets and it's doing interesting things but i don't know where it's headed and if it's gonna pay off and the last 30 minutes i was like wow this is now like it's honestly up there with some of my favorite some of my favorite horror like like um it's actually really funny because uh you know spoiler for next week i i picked house for this month and the similarities are very are very close like they're they're very uh there's a lot of them like uh there's the surreal kind of over the top feeling but also it becomes a story about uh female identity and and finding what your like pursuits in life are and stuff like that and, and out of nowhere it's like a tonal shift it's just like oh this is about something way more than i had given it credit for um, Did any of you read the Wikipedia on this? No, I read a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, particularly. Okay, so I, I did. Um, mm-hmm. help me as I was sort of like trying to. Um, I like to do that just to refer back to things to make sure I'm tracking plot sometimes. Totally. And and so, um, apparently while writing this, and Biller, the writer and director, said she was reading self help books. And the piece of advice that had stuck out to her, as she put it, was that if a woman wants to keep a man around. She should love him less than he loves her. Right. And she noticed this parallel, and again, classic cinema, which I think is a huge influence on the psychology and, and the, the the filming of the piece. Um, and apparently she worked with Elaine, uh, the actress who played Elaine, Samantha Robinson. Lana Del Rey. Um, <laughs> I'm just, yeah. It's just a joke. They, she they, looks so much like Lana Del Rey. But yes, they, they worked. Robinson. They worked together. Like They just watched a whole bunch of like movies about... like women psychopaths from the 60s right and then like wrote and rewrote the script and response like to kind of draw out and like help samantha robinson like play into the role and, like i was just so in love with the film because like it's such a collaborative experience in a way that i think very few films these days are yeah but also at the same time like there's a vision to it that it feels like everyone is working towards and i think like that to me sticks out the most in terms of like the the feminist politics of the film is because she's struggling to assert herself and her desires but her desires are always in relation to a man mm-hmm. and so like that's like this like trapped space that she finds herself in like i, I really want to get your thoughts on this because i was trying to puzzle it out for myself who is there an antagonist in this film yes uh, she, is there is there a hubris really, to- quick, really quick lana del rey of frost um, <laughs> the, um, the antagonist is, uh, the, uh, the landlady. Was that the woman who Trish? was... Yeah. No, is the, her neighbor. No. Oh, her neighbor. The landlady is, is a combination of her neighbor and the cop. The British lady. Yeah, are, the, are British, the British lady and the cop, I think, are the See, I would say, I mean, I would say... This is a crazy case where, and I, I, I'm trying to think of other movies that have done this. Okay, there's another movie you you'd brought up. They'd b- watch movies like this, and I remember watching a Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, special called Touch of Satan, which uh-huh. is exactly like this. Like it's like a, 
a guy goes out in the countryside to meet up with his girlfriend and she because her family lives there and, he, and then he finds out she's actually a crazy satan witch and her whole family is like in a long-running coven or whatever and she's evil and she's gonna destroy him but like so like the and and it felt like that because honestly the first up until like the last 30 minutes i really got the feeling she was the antagonist and this was like a murder it was like a femme fatale murder mystery where where like a columbo episode where i'm watching the person get away with things Mm -hmm. and then it just completely flips the script like i i feel like that identity it's it's like erotica um i don't know if anyone else reads long form erotica um especially like stuff that's published online but or even if you read like romance novels or like erotica novels the the format that they take is that they have less of a plot and they have more of a chapter by chapter constant reiteration on uh the basic like premise or kink or with like the rearrangement of certain elements to keep it fresh, and so yes. the one thing that's, I noticed about this movie, of is. this movie did not have rising tension. This movie did not have a climax. This movie did not have falling action. It had a constant ritualistic masturbatory uh, re- reiteration of a theme hmm. over and over again. The theme. See, of- I I felt like I, it did have. It did have sort of, it, it was a little directionless for a period, but I felt like it had a, well, I'm a not sense saying it's of... Well, bad. I'm, I'm saying that that no. is very intentional. But I had a sense and, of, like, yeah. is she going to keep getting away with this stuff is starting to pile... Like, it was like a film noir thing, actually, almost. I mean, it's not a film noir at all, but that sense of, like, she's... But what did she do? But That's did, the did point. Did she do anything wrong? No, but that's like, the... I don't think she did. That's the shift at the end, but the way the movie is presented and shot is, like... Ooh, ooh, she's dangerous. Is she gonna? And and that's because it's shot through the film lens of that kind of '60s movie of like yeah. she's an evil witch. But like we, the viewer, because it's tongue in cheek and it's subverting that, we know like she's not really doing anything. But like, but she did stab someone, right? At the, at the end, she does. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which is actually, but that's not- that's like the protagonist turn in a really weird. Because for me, like the antagonist is the idea of her as an as a bad person or a a manipulative person or a murderer or whatever like that it's it, honestly it's patriarchal concepts of sexual identity that's like the antagonist of this movie which is the weirdest thing like that's a nebulous concept also like okay i was really into how the men in this movie were portrayed because as, I don't as, as as oafish emotionally illiterate goons. <laughs> but but okay. But the thing is, is like I don't know. I, I didn't see. Okay, the second guy cheats on his wife, which is bad uh, objectively. It was it was like he shouldn't have done that shit, and he was. But like they, I feel like the writer or the director, whoever was responsible, treated like the male characters as just normal dudes up until like the end, or like the crazy Wiccan dudes. But like mm-hmm. like. The guys that she seduces, other than, like, Griff at first, they get progressively more, like, stereotypically male. Progressively less changed. And and less emotional, actually. Like, less uh, emotionally compromisable. Like, and and she as a character is like, I I couldn't deal with this guy because he was too emotional. He was just like a girl and da-da-da. And then, like, as it goes on, it becomes, like... Um, you know, she finds Griff, who is a stereotypical man, and of course he doesn't. It's even, called Griff. Yeah, he doesn't even want to be in love. 
Like, he doesn't give a shit. So it becomes, like, what are you actually looking for? Like, are you looking for something in somebody else, or are you looking something for something for yourself? That's what I got from this. And the men, like, like the first guy is just... He's just a normal dude. And he gets really yeah. upset and sad, and he just dies, and, like... She doesn't seem to care. He is a literature professor, so... I mean, mean, that's pretty bad, but... He's innocent. I mean, she's selling... I don't know. She's selling stuff at the local occult shop and doing all kinds of stuff. But I'm I'm just... I just mean, like, they get progressively... I mean, the second dude kills himself. Like, I know he's a Pisces, okay? I know that's the joke. But, like, the punchline to that, the, the second punchline, it's... Dude fucking murders him. He he offs himself in a bathtub. Yeah. Because that's like fucked up. Like I was watching it like, wow, this is really dark for something I thought was like jokey. I I just appreciated that the men, like most of the bad things about the men are not because this isn't a, this isn't a like these days on Twitter, like fuck, fuck men. They're all horrible. It was more of a thing. Like there's a, there's a suggested rape thing at the end in, yeah, in the, like the, the big climax. The yeah. But it's almost like, it's like the filmmaker for me, this was like the filmmaker is like, okay, it's not that all men are rapists. It's that rape is a societal, like rape culture is a thing. Like suddenly it overtakes this because they all think she's a witch mm-hmm. because she's sexually liberated and destroying men. But, well, like she's a well, force like the, of nature and she has to be not, sexually subjugated, scene. you know? It's not only that scene, it's also when right. she's initiated into the coven. Exactly. You know, like that like yeah, yeah. I do not I did not read that experience for her as consensual. No, not at all. To to the to the head and, witch or warlock. Um And that dude also so, gropes her as well, and she yeah. she that's like the start of her arc into breaking free from that is like, don't touch me. I don't give you permission to do that like that's a shift in tone and it's also like a concession that this isn't like that rape thing particularly to me was it was very disturbing but it was i didn't get the sense that it was like all men are rapists because the other men in the film aren't portrayed as necessarily rapists they're just portrayed as people who are just as uh hurt and emotionally devastated by patriarchy as she is well in different ways but like, it, it treats that as, like, an overarching concept instead of just men bad, women good, which sometimes you get in, like, well, pseudo-feminist things, you know? I mean, it was also very much, like, how... It was her skewed perspective, right? Like, right. it does seem like she, like, you know, basically, like, there's that one scene where it's very clear that, like, her dad... Like, she came from an abuse, like, background. Like, her dad, her ex-husband, just, like three days late for dinner, Elaine, you know, so it's one of those... I found a hot dog under the bed. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> I died. It was really good. Um, so it's it's just like, I mean, yeah, it's basically the, the lady bluebeard sort of thing of like, well, I didn't really kill him. He was just, you know, he just sucked. He died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, like, I also, like, really appreciate how this film sits in this place of surreality and i think that the 60s cinema vibe like feels that like does she actually have witching powers Mm -hmm. do we like if you read it so literally that (laughs) yeah yeah. if you read it so literally that way i think that 
you lose a lot of the nuance of the film. And again, like, because like at the end of it, she's clearly fantasizing about um, him loving her enough. Like she has this breakdown and has this fantasy of like, Oh, we're, we're going to get married and go off and, and do things. And I don't know. It just feels like this very Greek tragedy of the whole thing. Yeah. Like she's like looking at the, the picture on the wall and seeing this dude, like it's, it, the reality like the pictures come true to life for me for me that was like a it was a realization for the character of like um i need to stop projecting what i want from men onto my relationships and just it's like an internalization of identity like this is who i am as a person and what i like but i do not need this man specifically for that I know he's in the fantasy sequence, but, like, she kills him. Which, to me, is, like, I I don't need the physical manifestation of this. I am okay with having this as a part of my identity and not in the real world. Like, it's like a... Like I said, it's the shift. Like, Third Wave is all about identity and... I, th- uh, I think one of the most important things the movie has to say is... Uh-oh. uh I think one of the most important things the movie has to say with regards to, you know, the scene in the, the scene in the bar where, where the belt buckles come undone. Yeah. Is, uh, you have seen in effect, um, you have seen in effect that there is no place for women to go. Right. Um, because you get, uh, there's an academic, there's her dad, there's whatever her ex-husband did. Uh, there's a cop, there's an academic. There's the law. There's the um, what did what did what's her face's husband do? What did Richard do? I think it was a pilot. Yeah, there's a even the cop just makes there's coffee. A, <laughs> yeah, there's a professional, um, and and then even the man who represent even the man who represents a completely like heterodoxic theoretical escape from the uh, the the systems that keep her kind of like psychically caged in this loop of abu- of 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 like abuse and harm and the hedgehog's dilemma of like harming others and being harmed just as a function of being a woman um the the remaining people by that point in the movie who haven't in some way preyed on her or sort of like gotten her caught in the collateral damage of their like fucked up feelings about sex and gender are just like the rabble you know in town at the bar and that's the that's the moment where that's the moment where i think in her brain she can no longer that's the the point where she can no longer write off these things happening as aberrations right it's a pattern and where in her head she realizes I am a fish and this is the water I swim in, um, and I don't even when she's when she's looking in the cop's face and experiencing horror as she realizes that he doesn't love her. I think she is realizing that this horribly misogynistic violence is the water in which I swim, um, mm-hmm. and the the coven is no more an es- the coven or like normal life are no more an escape from it than anything else. And I don't have lungs, and I have no way to escape from it. And, like, of course, that's the moment in the movie where she finally, like, physically lashes out with real, undeniable violence uh, before descending into ide- idealized fantasy. 
it felt a lot like the witch the 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 big horror movie just in like the way the arc of the character mm. from turning from this passive uh I felt like young Midsummer girl. was a lot more fucked up than I thought it was going to be funnily enough yeah I actually that was really funny cuz I tweeted when the midsummer scene happened and this yeah. is from like 2016 2017 I immediately took that clip and was like midsummer 29 cuz it's so like campy and goofy that it's kind mm-hmm. of funny to compare it and then I like saw the rest of the movie and I immediately replied to myself like this is actually like for me this is a better f- feminist statement and and text than midsummer actually was and I like midsummer but like I think I got more out of this like thematically um as a film which really says mm. I I felt like I feel like this was really underrated because I literally didn't hear about it till it was recommended. Y'all, Bert's in the Google Hangout, capital R, realizing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the most important part of the movie was when it pointed out that we need more tea rooms as a society. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where hats reign. We need more, tea rooms, where, we need more tea rooms where men aren't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> and there's harp players going, la-di-da. La la la. I love I love that whole thing. Um the scene where oh man, the scene where sh- the neighbor is like, "Oh my god, my husband killed himself, but I just need somebody to talk to." And she's like, "Hey, hey. 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 <laughs> I'm in love." And I'm just like, "Oh my god." Like she's pulling a real, she's pulling a real Mark Wahlberg. No. <laughs> no. What? No. <laughs> Ma'am, no. 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 Um and then they have the whole makeup thing, which I again is straight out of Haosu. Like I, I felt like the solidarity thing you talked about. That's like the moment in the movie where it's like, because well, remember this woman was like, "You're very attractive." Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm married. I don't like. There's there's a lot to unpack in their well, relationship. And Bert, I think yeah. one of the things that comes with me is like there is the you talk about this film being so rich a text. Yeah, I think it's also because the script is so like tight. Even as I think about like the surreality of the film, <laughs> it felt I think of, like, loose there's, like, up until the last act. In which case, like I was like, I need to watch this again because I was not. Uh, to me, to me, this feels entirely purposeful. Like, yeah, every single line feels like it was purposefully crafted and sculpted to be in this place. Like, even the notion of like, like. I, I was like even thinking of like the Cinema Sins man spoke in my head, like some kind of demon banshee and was like, Well, this this man's screaming in the cabin and then the other part of my head is like, Well no, it's fine because they're in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. There's so many little things like yeah, that that like when I first started watching it, I was like, Man, I don't know where this is going but once I got the destination, I'm like, Oh, that's why they did all that. It's like a mystery movie or like a a Shyamalan movie or something where there's a huge twist. It's not even a twist. It's just a realization of what the movie was doing. There's also like a lot of little touches. I mean, there's the hot dog joke. There's the, um, the amazing, the, the amazing. She's, she has the, the cat. She has the whole, the cat was perfect. She has the whole monologue about the tampon. She's like, guys don't even know anything about tampons. She's putting this tampon in the, in the thing and like in the thing of piss with like the plants. And then the cops show up like five scenes later. They're like, "What's this?" They're like, "I don't know. We'll take it to the lab, I guess." Like they don't. They, it's not obviously a tampon. They're just like, "I don't know. I've never seen that in my life." Uh, <laughs> there's just so many little things like that. Uh, I yeah. have a question. Sure. What was your favorite piece of pony artwork? In oh, the artwork. Movie? <sighs> a lot of it. There's lots to choose. There's from. a lot. 
There is just so many painted nipples in this film. Or drawn. So my favorite was in, in the scene where Trish comes and like puts on all of her stuff. It's just like looking over and I paused it right yes. there to see all like the crayon drawings. Yep, yep. Yep. Actually, it's yep. like her feet are like really tiny and like there's six <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> that actually was that was my favorite too. I was thinking that oh, was like that was like oh wow, this is very liberal. Isn't yeah. there one where she's riding a tiger with like a sword? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. that's mine. That's I'm gonna pick fuck. I'm gonna pick the Vegas. <laughs> like, that's my that's my representation. I'm gonna pick the one I assume nobody noticed, which is when they go in the cabin and she's like, Let's go to your bedroom or whatever. They open the bedroom and there's a little statue with like a penis <laughs> this is a little like it's like one of those like fertility statues but it's just got uh-huh. a penis and i was like i guess this is in this dude's house too it's fine <laughs> it's hilarious though it would be an english professor who it's just it. on the nightstand right next to where you go to bed this is yeah. so funny <laughs> there's a lot of what's your favorite outfit in the movie that's the question oh, i cannot gun to my head could not choose you'd have to kill me i think the pink the pink like bonnet they have the t. That's a the whole pink I, out suit. I did the white Victorian with like the choker, like the really old right. school like look. Because like there's even like a harpsichord playing as she like fake paints every little detail. <laughs> I, th- I think the the outfit in the cabin that's lined with a rainbow lining that makes, oh, yeah. that makes my man's have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's on drugs allegedly, but he's like yeah. he's like whoa. What happened? I'm like, it's okay. It's just a rainbow. It's it's not even a real rainbow. It's just. <laughs> Can I choose um, all of the stuff from the Renaissance yes. Fair? Because <laughs> all of that looks so much like tarot cards. Like it was like perfectly just just ripped from. And apparently, Ann Biller like helped make all this stuff herself to try to find all this uh, costume material. But it just looks so fucking it made me wish just like yeah. manifested it looked manifest like that's yeah. the verb i want to use just manifested from a tarot deck just like boom right it there. made me wish midsummer had tackier outfits because they're all just plain plain jane outfits i mean yeah. like they kept talking like oh we designed this room after the like the the thoth tarot and like everything else is the rider weight tarot so like the, it's so obviously stylized even the star and moon i just mm. like look funny that like there's this creepy music during their dance, and like the the waitress is just like, they can't dance for shit. What the? Fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. sun and moon dance. That was the funniest thing. Yeah, this, but the, 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 the other part of the awful. joke is that the men don't care. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. They're just watching. They're like, that's fine. It's so like, listen, no no shade to any strippers out there. I know I know women who have stripped, and I'm I'm friends with women who are currently stripping. But I I see a lot of like empowerment talk. About and this is a sex worker supporting podcast, but I see a lot of empowerment talk about like you got to be a god super good dancer to strip, and it, and it reads the same as someone who spent a lot of time in men's locker rooms. It reads the same to me as when people are like, actually, cheering is basically just gymnastics. It's very hard. I just want to be like, no. I would love like a I, I make promise you nobody fucking cares. I would love like a satirical sketch or something where these guys are like hanging out at the back of the strip club like did, did you see what what candy that flip she did oh my the grace and style that <laughs> yeah. she yeah triple sow cow is amazing and like no yeah. they're not talking about that shit <laughs> it it was choreographed the music so perfectly i couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you like it like yes bitch your choreo <laughs> so yeah this movie this movie ruled i'm trying to think of like 
there's even any nitpicks, really. I mean, it felt like it was dragging, but it wasn't. I did not. I would. I would not say that I liked it, um, or would watch it again for pleasure. But I am. I am. I think I am. I think enriched as a person for having seen it. I would okay. suggest this movie. Like I enjoyed it, right? Like it was just like the whole time. I was just like, "What the fuck." And it's definitely, like, one of those movies I would suggest to someone who is either, like, highbrow, kind of, like, into, like, weird film, or someone who's really into drugs, who I was trying to fuck. Like, that would be (laughs) Like, here you go. And they'd be like, oh, wow, thanks for this. And it'd be, like, a really good segue, because we could talk about it and then go to the horny art. You're welcome, everyone who gets laid because of this. This is a great (laughs) actual good talking points and it's also extremely horny i like the concept that you're there's some dude who's into drugs and they get to the scene where she's like i gave you drugs check out my rainbow jacket you're like uh 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 <laughs> <laughs> if i was single i knew exactly who this movie would work if this went if this went if this went well hey that'd be pretty cool right um, <laughs> Also, Don't worry about what happens after the sex. Just, let's just ignore that, okay? Just, also, just... I was just browsing online and found out that um, I, I, the way I know that aesthetically we live in a world that is the opposite of Love Witch is that we live in the world where you can play Doom on a pregnancy test. <laughs> <laughs> um, which just, I couldn't explain why. That, to me, is the opposite of the world of the Love Witch, but it is. Oh, oh. For a different reason. I wanted yeah. to talk about the setting specifically because we had our non-argument in the DM about this. Okay. It's... Okay. Uh, yeah, and Matt's, and Matt's And he's gone, gone so this is the perfect <laughs> time for me to, to, to get on my soapbox. Okay. The movie is literally... And I don't mean, like, figuratively literally. I mean, like, literally as you use the word. Not set in the 60s or 70s. It's just shot like that, and the main character dresses like that, and talks That's like that. Funny and like the stiff dialogue just has right. that very specific intentional feel depending on who the characters are like i thought very specifically the first guy uh was his name like eric or something wayne wayne how did i get eric out of that anyway whatever wayne wayne seemed to act like he wasn't in the same movie i mean he's dressed like he's in the same movie and like he's got the hair and everything and he he's a weird lit professor or whatever but like she's like oh wayne we should go we should go somewhere and da-da-da. you know she's talking in that wacky old timey I mean, he's like he's like wait are you serious oh okay i get like he's talking like a normal person like yeah reacting to this and so is the neighbor lady this is uh, i feel like not enough men are men need to be taught not to go to a secondary location <laughs> <laughs> well, right, but okay. So if this happened in Touch of Satan, right? Yeah. If that scene happened, she'd be like, "Oh, oh, Goober, but let's go to your cabin and have some fun, huh?" And Goober'd be like, "Oh, geez, okay, let's go, lady." And he'd, you know, he'd be stupid man who gets offed. He would be fodder for the the crazy evil witch lady. Yeah. In this, that's he's how patriarchy impacts us men too. It hurts. But us, in this, too. it's very realistic. Yeah. Like if if I went to the park, I. And Lena Del Rey was sit- Lana Del Rey was sitting on the bench, and she's like, Elaine Del Rey. Elena Del Rey, <laughs> Elena Del Rey. She was like, "Oh, Bert, let's go, let's go back to your flat and uh, your flat." I knew she'd say flat too because she's Lana Del Rey, and I'd be like, I would respond the same way this guy would. It was just like, "Uh, uh-huh, wait, what? Like, 
but like looking around are you are you talking to me are you sure you're is this a joke this i'm like on camera or something like this doesn't like that's the real question well he, probably because guys yeah. are still stupid but they're you, not well, you know let me give you some advice mm-hmm. just like text a friend the sure. address of where uh, the address of where i would be very very say, suspicious yeah and say if i haven't texted yeah. you by midnight call me if i don't answer call the police um, right, there, right. Now you there. Now you know how to get picked up by Lana Del Rey safely. <laughs> well, you know, this is very important because I mean, this is a first guy to drive around in a cop car to get picked up by Lana Del Rey. These days. <laughs> very yeah. realistic hypothetical that is definitely going to happen to Bert. But um, there's also the neighbor, like the the first scene. She's driving through the countryside or whatever, listening on the radio, and she shows up, and then the the neighbor shows up in her BMW, and it is very, very obvious. Normal. Like, it's this very is a normal. normal car in the current time period. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we we had a non-argument about this. It's not a disagreement, because we agree. The movie literally is not set in the 70s and 60s. I, I think it exists in a liminal space that is not our current time frame, that is not the exact 60s, but something in the middle. That's okay, but you I... It's, you think it's doing kind of a Venture Brothers, like... Kind of, or... But that's the thing, is like, you, there's so many different ways that you could read that. Like, you could read it as simply, like, we are... What if we read Elaine as an unreliable protagonist, and we just live in this fantasy land in her head mm. of, like witchcraft and like the 60s because like she like idolizes it right. and just you could read it that way which i think is shallower than what the film is right. mm-hmm. so i wouldn't want to do that i think the um, film is deliberately set in a modern it doesn't really matter what year but in a more modern setting to offset the style of second wave feminism that it's that it's kind of presenting to you because when you have a character who and you have these old tiny wiccan free love hippie crazy people and you put them in a modern setting it the it's anachronistic it's an immediate like like yeah the neighbors immediate like she's like oh men are like children and you just have to give them what they want and then they'll submit to you and become your and and she's like what really like it's kind of patriarchal don't you like that's really weird like she's she reacts naturally to it because she's a modern character not in this weird 70s film that is inhabited you're talking about trish then yeah I thought I've read Trisha's like two sides of the same anachronist. Absolutely, a feminist coin because she's like, well, I can't give my husband sex for pretending one. Can you imagine? Right. No. Yeah. T- exactly. <laughs> but also like desire. I think that's probably a more she's modern. A, I think she's hate. also probably a lesbian. Well, you know, that's fine. That's cool. But like, I'm just saying, like it. I felt like the movie was very deliberately like pushing back against. It's like, here's the 70s idea of, of sexuality and feminism, and here's, like, the reality sometimes butting in to be like, this doesn't really make sense, but it was how it was presented back then and mm. worked through. So, like, I feel like the, like, but I definitely feel like the movie winks at that. It's like, we are not in the 70s and 60s. We won't tell you where we are, but it's not there. Mm-hmm. That's just an idea. They're in California right. in 2010. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I also kind of appreciate this one too. I was thinking of Mad Men and just like how much more <laughs> rich this is than yeah. Mad Men. Like Mad Men is like really cynical, yeah, in depressing ways. It's generally speaking, it, it's I, like I, I've I've seen most of Mad Men, but not the entire season or series. series. Mad Mad Men's like this uh, ain't your mama's fifties, sixties, and whatever. It's it's like oh, 
guess what? Shit was fucked up and grimdark back then, too. Oh, thanks. You know, that's what I want to get into. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, again, I think this film is fucking masterful. Like, I just, I can't get away from the fact that, like, I, I feel like we all have sort of different um, experiences with it. Yeah. And just, like, that's such a, a rich thing to go through that you just don't see in a lot of... I feel I don't see a lot of films these days. Yeah, I mean, I know Merritt mentioned, like, she liked it, but probably wouldn't really watch it again, which I get that. I probably liked it... I mean, it's probably between me and Matt on liking it the most, but, like, I... I love the... the I'm immediately going to watch this in, like, another two to three weeks again. Like, I will watch this again. I'll probably keep it around... And, you know, watch it every year on Halloween. Because it's just very, very... It was very moving for me on a lot of levels that that most movies... Like, I did not expect it to be like that. So... Yeah, stylistically, I would watch this again. Probably when I got high, so... (laughs) And see, again, like, I grew up, like, watching TV like this from, like, Nick at Night. So, like, all of the shots and what they communicate, like... Have any of y'all seen um, It's a Mad, 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 Mad yeah, World? Yeah. Yes. The Mel- no. It's Mel Brooks, I, I, right? It's one of my all-time favorite comedies. Is what? that the Mel Brooks one? I always get them confused. No, 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 no. That's um, The History of the His- World. Okay, I one. always get those confused. Never mind. It's a Mad, 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 Mad <clears throat> World is like this like 1950s caper. Right. Um, a whole bunch of people trying to like race to Southern California to dig up this buried uh, bank robbery cache. Okay. Uh, Rat Race was like a, um, a remake of it, but... Just like the way, like the shots of like the close-ups on her eyes to communicate, um, for like when she's like doing something like magical or powerful, like or just the the language of the film is just like nails everything I've grown up and like have learned as like language of <laughs> that that time frame that that cinema. So I just I love this film for that reason. It's very nostalgic for me, I guess. Yeah. No. Excellent. Excellent. But film. mature. Yeah. And and I think like that was one of the intentions of the film too is that like she wanted Biller wanted to um, have this richness of the what things to look on the screen everything else to prevent you from so easily sexualizing the um, the women in it and I I do think it succeeds at that like there's a lot of female nudity in this film and a lot of like sexuality and I think another film another filmmaker would make that prurient and make it very pornographic. Yeah, this, and this one it did not feel that way. In this movie, felt like a fifth grader's idea of what seduction and sex is in a way that was probably very on purpose. Like, yeah, seduction is when you turn around and you like wiggle, you vaguely wiggle your body, <laughs> take off your garter, and like stockings and yeah. faces. You touch each other's tummies. I forgot to mention, there's an amazing <laughs> montage in this when when Richard is in his depression episode and he starts crying. He's like, oh. He's like looks up in the air and then it gets a flashback where he's like looking at her butt and he's trying to grab her butt and then he's like no <laughs> I'm like this is amazing he re- very Homer Simpson remembers himself having a, yeah remembers himself having a fucking Benny Hill moment and, <laughs> and the single most erotically charged instant of his life oh no he did also motorboater too oh great <laughs> as he's like as he's like why oh, in that like depressing like the <laughs> same going like. Bleh. It's just so great. There's nothing that feels better and is more erotically charged than the motorboat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Damn. Oh, easy, easy, Bert. Easy. easy. I'm sweating bullets over here, Bert. You can't just <laughs> be making motorboats down. That's an actual motor. <laughs> Hold on. I can't even do it on command because I'm laughing Burton, too hard. Burton, Burton, Burton. <laughs> we are co-workers. I'm gonna have to put a content mark. I'm gonna have to bleep this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just say there's a reason I haven't gone to the Everglades. It would be just. I don't recommend it. It's human. <laughs> That's human more airboat. That's airboats, which I don't know <laughs> what the sexual connotation the for that is, but. <laughs> Say Florida's humid enough. (laughs) So, um, that's our selection for the week one of Better Red Month. Uh, Coming up next week, Bert, do you want to give a slight preview of like how soon? Have you ever? Okay, I was gonna say, have you ever had a dream where? And then I thought of the YouTube where the kid goes, "Have you ever? Did did you ever have? Have you have you ever had a? Did you did you ever?" (laughs) Have you ever had a dream that that you um you had you 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 could you do you you want you you could do so you you do you could you you want you want him to do you so much you could do anything? That's what the movie is. It's a fever dream in the best way possible. A Japanese fever dream from the seventies. One of my favorite all-time movies. Houseu. It'll be so fun. I thought. Wait. Hold on. Mm-hmm. I watched all of the TV show House with the Japanese right. dub on. I mm-hmm. thought that that was what we were watching. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, it's the 80s. It's the 80s American horror movie House with Bull from Night Court. Um, okay. No, all right. It's right. the 80s uh, selected uh, works of Doogie Howser. Yeah. All right. I can't remember the theme song <laughs> off my head. With the Japanese yeah. dub. Doogie, Japanese Doogie, kids watching Doogie House. Doogie House. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on social media at Second Star Cast. Follow us and rate and review us wherever you find this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. Uh, gang, where can y'all find y'all on that social, on them, on them Twitter scapes? I'm at Refreshing Time and at Coriolis Music on twitter.com.com and i'm at anime weed fart 69 <laughs> great every time like a fine wine it's um classic. i am at mayor underscore squared at m-e-r underscore s-q-u-a-r-e-d uh on twitter and frothy see which on instagram but i don't use instagram you can find me uh at ape notorious on twitter what's funny about that you're gonna crap a, crack up at that and not anime weed fart sixty nine. Okay, I laughed because Katie laughed. <laughs> I laughed because Katie laughed. It's just so funny because she's like anime weed fart sixty nine. Like, okay, she was, I'm at she ape was notorious. Born. She was born in the anime Motor weed fart sixty nine. Batman. We merely adopted it, so she's acclimated. Mm. Um, I've missed the weed fart. Nobody knew I was who I was until I became the notorious ape. <laughs> <laughs> it's right it's right there in the name Batman I became notorious <laughs> you can't just you can't just call something a thing that's different no, from what it is no. Batman that's illegal you're thinking of and Gorilla Grodd I know Grodd. what's illegal Batman I'm from jail <laughs> Gorilla Grodd he's different 
<laughs> he's an a- he's an ape, but he's an ape, but his reputation is eh. it's middling. Right. Oh, um, okay. Well, thank you for this. Included. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. I have to go check out my basted chicken. <laughs> <laughs>